1: The Believe Podcast Network presents The FCS Football Podcast With Joe DeLeon Well, let's get fat And
2: Sean Anderson I am a sooth You're listening to the Believe in FCS Football Podcast Part of the Believe Podcast Network Today's episode, we are previewing the best offensive linemen in the country, our favorite guys for FCS football, filling you in on all the names that you need to know before the spring season starts up. Before we get to that, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson. We are two former college football players from the University of Rhode Island. Sean, how are you doing today? I haven't talked to you in a few days.
1: Yeah, I know. You've been uh, ghosting me for whatever reason. I have not been uh...
2: ghosting you. Why have I been ghosting you?
1: I don't know. Maybe you're still upset that Notre Dame got booted.
2: That's that's not why I'm upset. They played better than Ohio State did, so I, I can't exactly. Oh God, who are you telling? Right, yeah, right. I gotta <laughs> I gotta tell you who called me earlier. Later, I'm not gonna talk talk to you about that now. But no, I'm not upset. Okay. Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame uh, would have still done better if they played a second time instead of Ohio State. They would have done better than Ohio State did. Well, I don't. One think of so. the few teams in the country that held. Alabama to around 30 points so I'm going to stand by that point I'm going to stand by my team we're going to talk about some fantastic offensive linemen this is obviously Sean's uh, favorite week of the year favorite episode there was nothing keeping us from recording this show I need to know Sean how excited are you to talk about this group of hog mollies the big boys the uh, position that you once claimed the uh, the name of playing
1: This is my favorite episode of the year. It always is. The championship game, it doesn't even hold a candle to this episode. (laughs) This episode I love because now, since I don't play anymore, I could just uh, go into coach mode.
2: (laughs) Right, coach mode, scout mode, whatever it is. There's one guy that I know that you're probably going to... Uh, pick apart with one particular thing, but we're going to get to that soon. Before we do though, let's talk some bet online. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. There were a bunch of crazy games this past week for the NFL. We had the Browns upsetting and demolishing the Steelers. We had the Rams surprising the Seahawks. If you feel like there's going to be an upset this week, don't be dumb. Put your money down. If you have even the slightest itch that you think something is going to happen, go put some money down at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to Online. .ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. So I actually want to, before we get into this offensive line talk, Sean, I just want to provide a, I guess I would consider an update, just a thought on a guy who announced he's transferring. And we're not going to do this with every name, but somebody who we lauded as an NFL guy is currently in the transfer portal. Jason Brown, quarterback from St. Francis. Honestly, it's fantastic to see this. Uh, Ryan Roberts talks to him a good amount and um, he has the highest hopes for him. And right now it's sounding like he's getting a lot of interest from some seriously big programs. According to a a Twitter post I saw earlier today, Auburn of all schools reached out to him. So there is going to be a big, big, big move for him coming soon. Maybe it's an sec school. If not, maybe he goes to an AAC school, a really good AAC school and just straight up dominates. But Jason Brown, is already on a path that is is going to be um you know a, a fantastic one.
1: Now, St. Francis uh their spring season got called, correct? That's yes. why he's doing this. So that is yes. the so, main
2: reason behind yeah. it is their season got canceled and Jason Brown after hearing his name be uh, a buzz over the past couple weeks and people talking about him for the right reason he chose to transfer and he's going to end up somewhere big.
1: Yeah, uh, we're we're not always in favor of the uh, FCS players transferring just because we like FCS players and covering them and especially the really good ones. But in a situation like this, I am super excited to see where he goes and how well he performs at that next level.
2: Yeah, definitely excited to see what happens with him. I've heard that Eli Moore from St. Francis, who's transferring, it is supposed to be a package deal uh, wherever Jason Brown ends up. He wants his star receiver to come with him so that'll be interesting to watch we'll definitely provide an update because again that is a guy that we were very high on disappointed to see him leave St. Francis he is going to be an NFL guy no matter where he ends up no matter where he transfers and that's going to put him in a position to do that what, what do you give me the oof for
1: well that's just a statement you know I'm not saying it's an incorrect statement but it's a bold one I like that you're being definitive you're 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 getting in it Man, I stand, I like I stand
2: by it. I, I firmly believe that he is an incredibly talented player, but nobody was talking about him because he was coming from such a tiny FCS program. It's not like he was coming from North Dakota State. At least there was some lights shined on Trey Lance. At least people knew who he was. Ben DiNucci had a little bit of attention because he played in a national championship. Nobody really talks about these uh, St. Francis guys. So I stand by it. I think that where he ends up, he's going to be a fantastic pro.
1: Maybe he'll get a highlight video titled, uh, The Best Quarterback You've Never Heard of, like all the Trey Lance videos that there are on YouTube.
2: <laughs> That's definitely bound okay. to happen.
1: After two videos, we've heard of him by now.
2: <laughs> right. It's like, how, how, how can you say that he's never heard of when, <laughs> when there's enough videos out there? Uh, let's get into these offensive linemen. We have to start the first guy off with somebody who Sean absolutely loves, somebody who Sean has continually talked up, uh, had some bold predictions that I still completely disagree with. But I, I will say, after this spring season, uh, I think that this guy's going to be an NFL guy, depending on when he decides to make that leap. P.J. Burkhalter, interior offensive line from Nichols, 6'3", 330. This dude is wide as hell. He is a big, big dude, and he is justifiably one of the best interior linemen in this year's class.
1: He is, as Ryan Roberts And you and everybody else in Draft Twitter would say, "I'm not a part Uh, of Draft
2: Twitter." Don't don't. Yes, you are.
1: You are as part of it as it gets.
2: Uh, No, because I don't do the whole bit of like, "Oh, look at this video that I." didn't really watch, and I don't really know what's going on in it like all the other buffoons. That They're do in that. cover,
1: too. <laughs> and that's why he did the post. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> weaves. Uh, uh, regardless, a draft Twitter term that I'm not particularly fond of using for myself, but this is a my guy guy. PJ Burkhalter, everything about him I can get on board with. He is an interior offensive lineman to the core. He is as wide as any defensive tackle, and I, for what I've seen, the fastest interior uh, feet in the FCS. Uh, just freaking pistons going into the ground as fast as they can, and in an effective demeanor, he gets where he needs to go. No wasted movements in his steps. A draft board is gonna be like, "Why is he taking this unnecessary six-inch step before he actually goes forward?" It's called a trigger step. <laughs> That's what he does, and it's super good. Uh, he does a great job of keeping his hands inside. He stays low, and he stays naturally, naturally low somehow. Even though he's six foot three, I God, I'm in on him. I f- this dude, I am in on him.
2: I firmly believe that Sean, you should do a anti NFL draft Twitter podcast. I think that you would have a fantastic time with that, because for some reason, you just hate NFL draft Twitter, and I, it is my favorite bit that you do. They think they're coaches. Eh, yeah, it is what it is well, I don't agree with a lot of things that people say on there. There's some people I really respect, but holy crap, there's some people that just straight up do not know football.
1: but I uh, know Joe, can I go tell ahead you? what do you got? what do you got? Can, can I tell you a podcast idea? I've been waiting to pitch you all right let's hear it. let's hear it. The worst podcast you've ever heard. And this is a podcast with uh, distortion, uh, random muting, uh, silence at times between the co-hosts. It's a very awkward and very terrible uh, experience for the listeners. And it's all through an intense amount of effort between me and you to make it the worst audio experience possible.
2: So you're telling me every single NFL Draft podcast that's out there? (laughs) (laughs) Because I've listened to a lot of them that fit that criteria. Awkward silences, bad audio. We're not going to get too much into that. But Burkhalter, though, big (laughs) fan of what he did. I understand why he's considered to be the best guard returning to college football. And and this list, I have to say, I forgot to mention, was really hard to do because there were a bunch of guys who declared, a bunch of guys who were transferring. Liam Fornatal, not going back to Maine. That's a guy who would be on this list. A lot of guys. And this is going to be a shorter list than I think people would expect just based on the movement that happened this season. Burkhalter coming back to Nichols, I love it because this is a very run-centric team. Their offense moves through the run game. We talked about Gums, and I just like that low center of gravity. He's wide. He takes up space. He shows me good technique. I see a guy that has raw power behind his weight, and the big, big thing for me, Sean, is just I love that balance and center of gravity for me because, like, I'm watching him step, and, and sometimes you'll see these guys that just don't have good control of their their limbs when you see, like, taller guys. Obviously, 6'3 is not that that tall for an offensive lineman, but, like, I just see a guy who stays, at, like, like uh, perpendicular to the ground. He stays completely even, no swaying or anything, and he just moves consistently no. forward and is just latching on to guys and driving them. That center of gravity, that balance is a skill that just not a lot of guys have and and something that not a lot of guys can figure out how to do properly.
1: I'm all in on him, man. All in. I'm
2: glad you're starting to get on the wave. No, I, I've always liked Burkhalter. Like, I I you, you, you peeved me a little <laughs> bit when you're like, this dude's a first-rounder, and I'm like, okay, now you're just making us look stupid because that's just not true. I know. I know. Yeah, you know. I'm doing a show, Joe. Damn right you know. All right, Cordell Volson, offensive tackle, North Dakota State, the man, a part of a, a very, very talented North Dakota State offense. Obviously a you know, very great group that loses Adam Cofield. They're losing Trey Lance. But Cordell Volson is going to be the leader of this team, 6'7", 3'10". He's another really tall Long guy, and that length immediately popped out to me on tape. I just I saw a guy that was a, a pretty easy mover for his height at six foot seven, but those long arms really, really help him at keeping a, a strong, consistent distance when going against pass rushers.
1: That's interesting that you focused on the arms. And he's got arms. Uh, what is the Beatles term? He's got hands down to his knees. Sure. This dude, his hands and arms, they're they're just immediately onto the defender. And with that, I mean, his hands are always active, but they're not jittery. Some offensive linemen, uh, they look like they're playing the air guitar sometimes. And uh, that's not something that you want, but every old lineman's a little bit different with their hands and how they want to be placed and how they're acting and reacting. This dude, a uh, steady hand. He seems confident with, er- with everything that he's doing. And it's because he's strong enough. And that goes to him. Ha- uh, you can see that because he's got a wide base. He's always staying wide. And you don't always stay that wide uh, unless you're strong enough to not let a defensive lineman take advantage of it. So his ability to just be exactly how he wants to be. It, it, he, it, I never found that perfect. I, I, I rarely found that that true comfortability. In a pass set or a run block, Volson looks like he's always completely comfortable. And that's just, there are a lot of trains of thought when it comes to offensive linemen, stances, sets, the way that you drive off the ball, all of it. Uh, and then, but sometimes you have to break, some coaches break offensive linemen out of their habits to make them feel comfortable. And maybe North Dakota State, they did. And he's just, just is that good of a talent and, and physical specimen where he can be uncomfortable and then learn how to be comfortable again. But the way that he sets and naturally moves, it just looks like he's... Built to be playing offensive tackle and comfortable in every single mechanic and technique that he's using, it's super, super. it's Just you're watching it; it's almost intoxicating. Just watch him move with such confidence when you're in a very defensive situation, not trying to get put on your neck or get your quarterback sacked or get let them get around you. To have that composure, it's just really, really impressive.
2: With Dylan Raiden's heading for the NFL. It's quite possible that we could see Cordell Volson moving to left tackle for this team. Do you think that this is somebody who would do just fine if they made that transition? Because for people that don't know, it's it's not something that you can simply say, oh, we can move that guy from right to left tackle. There's a lot of guys that you'd be surprised that are just physically not coordinated to go the opposite way after spending a ton of time learning how to do it one way. So do you think Volson could end up sliding over with no Raidens coming back?
1: That's a great point that you made, Joe, uh, because we always think of uh, ambidexterity uh only for the hands, but it also goes with like the legs and the feet right. too. So switching people, uh, like if he were to go from right tackle to right guard, that'd probably be an easier transition. But with him, he looks like he's so polished that he could uh, be able to play left tackle. I mean, Within your freshman year, if you redshirted, you're going to be playing all over the place on the scout team. You're going to be getting reps at every single tackle position that you can, every single offensive line position that you can. I remember I was playing center my freshman year when I redshirted against Tyrone Barge, and I don't know. I think he had a count for how many times he just whipped my ass because he was was 6 feet tall and 320 pounds and squatted 800 pounds. But regardless – Volson is a lot more polished than I could even dream of being so I believe that if they do move him to left tackle he will be just fine.
2: Right, right. And he'll be a name to watch, very talented on a talented team as they're transitioning away from Trey Lance and all of the other big names that were part of their squad. Javon Brown, guard from Central Connecticut State, 6 foot 3, 350. This is another really really big guy and for the, the Blue Devils, Central Connecticut State, they were another team that had a really effective time running the football, did a really, really good job in the NEC, and a, a big reason was because of Brown, who has been a part of this group for a long time now, has played a lot of football games. This is a veteran guy who, again, like a lot of the guys in this list, are good athletes, have have good technique, and are just overall very, very dominant when facing against some of these FCS defensive tackles.
1: Yeah, sometimes offensive coordinators will adjust the running scheme based off of the running backs that they have. It seems like Central Connecticut State has adjusted their running scheme for their left guard and Javon Brown. Because whenever they're running trap, they're getting positive yardage because you're not going to beat this guy on a trap play. It's let me take a bucket step. And now, let me get three yards uh, behind the line and just annihilate a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Javon Brown, when he gets his feet moving, he is a cement truck that's just going to crush you. And the running back's just going through the park right behind him. It's not a touchdown every time, but it's an effective play every single time. So the the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator there, they're definitely synced up, which every single one should be, but sometimes you'd be surprised. Uh, But the... Running behind Brown is definitely what they have been doing and should continue to doing. I have said this the first time that we did an offensive line show. He has extendo arms, whereas Mm. he will give you a punch and then extend you out another, it looks like, foot and a half to where you can't even get your arms on the dude. And then with that, his arms and his upper body. His use of his forearms, in college you're, you're taught to stop using your flipper in most situations, but in the situations where you're supposed to use it and just give him that forearm and and get half of your body on his, half of you, uh, on the defensive lineman's half of the body, just super effective, man. He's just so strong, just really, really strong, really good with his upper body and hands.
2: Coincidentally, we have another interior guy, Ty Whitworth, 6'4", 300. I I really was interested in seeing him. It was kind of hard to keep track of where he was in this group. For some reason to me, he just – not disappeared, but uh, there were a couple times where he didn't pop out to me. But when I did notice him and what I really saw from him was really, really good hands, just active hands in picking up and maybe sliding off guys when the protection was shifting based on what the defensive line was doing. But I also noticed some really good awareness. There was one play – that stood out to me against Kennesaw State, where uh, they ran a twist. And as pressure was coming into his gap, he was blo- he was double teaming somebody in pass protection. And just as he noticed that this twist was happening, he immediately broke off and very quickly set his feet and picked up that that defensive tackle, and he didn't go anywhere. So that awareness to me really, really stood out for uh, for Whitworth. I see this guy as. Um, somebody who's just going to be very, very consistent. And again, like I said, very, very good hands.
1: For his body cop, he's still a little light to me at 300, which seems a little interesting. Maybe he'll get with the trainer and they'll work that stuff around. Just seems a hair trim. Uh, But hands is what this dude has. I mean, Joe, you hit it right on the head. uh, For me, it was the quick hands, and he wants to get in that slap box game with the defensive linemen. And defensive linemen are normally the guys that want to slap box and rip and beat the offensive lineman with their hands uh, because offensive linemen are always fo- focused on feet and then hands is basically lock on. Whitworth is really good at disrupting a defensive lineman's balance, uh, especially, I mean, his feet are always moving. So he has that luxury to, uh, to put everything together. And now he can manipulate the defensive lineman with little jabs, a little, little fake, you know, uh, what is it? The Not a parry, but but he's just getting on them consistently, moving them how he wants to move them. And then they just kind of lose control of where they are based on what he's doing with his hands. He's always in good position in the run game, but that's when and I say when he gets his head in the right place. Sometimes he will find himself with his head on the um, on the short side of the defensive lineman. And then he, I mean, he works. He's busting his ass to get over there. But when he gets it across and gets where he needs to be, great. You couldn't ask for a better lineman. Uh, he just really needs to get that head over, and that's a small detail. But at the same day, people are gonna say I'm nitpicking. I'm not. It's a big. It's a big thing because it, it you're basically eliminating a rush lane on the outside, and that's not something that you want to do. He doesn't do it often. but Baldwin does. It's just something that stood out to me.
2: Last player that we have, and this one I think is the most interesting of the group, Justin Suzba, I think that's how you pronounce it from Monmouth. Suba? Suba, yes, yeah, Suba, Suzba. Suba. I don't know. Uh six foot eight, three hundred pounds. That's such a great thing to say on a podcast, right? I have no idea how to pronounce this. Uh six foot eight, three hundred pounds from Monmouth. He is very odd to evaluate because he has rare length and size and ability to move for a guy at the tackle position he is so freaking tall but the only thing that really is a hangup for me is if you could get him a little bit more technically sound I think he could be even better but the dude needs to work on his footwork uh, a little bit clunky for me but regardless so talented I think that he's got all this time I'm sure that's something that it was a big focus for him over the off season plus the extra season, whatever you want to call the fall, I think that coming into this year, expectations should be high for him. Because at a guy that moves that well for as tall and as long as he is, he could be really, really good.
1: So, Joe, I was watching, for him, the Holy Cross versus Monmouth game. I was too. Uh, and... Uh I'll go through my thought progression, and uh, he did a great job uh, because the first five plays that I watched were runs with Pete Guerrero, just getting first downs. How talented was that guy? And and then here's my thought progression. Oh, I really dig this guy. Huge athlete. I mean, the dude is just a great athlete, first of all. And with that, he can afford to be a two-point stance guy. This is where I'm still watching the runs, and he's just getting right out of that two-point stance. Coaches don't want you in a two-point stance if you can't get up and out. That's just something you did not do. He can mix in pass and run in his stance every single time. That's the sign of a great athlete. Uh, he's not going to be a world beater like Spencer Brown, you know, who is as tall as he- a little heavier, but just a dominant run run force. But this dude's a great athlete. I thought he was uh, Matt Pert-esque, uh, but with different pa- uh, technique on pass sets. And I said that while he was running, just because I could tell. The way that he was going to pass that. But oh, was I wrong, Joseph. Oh boy, was I wrong. Um, his feet are great going forward. They are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He gets to the second level as soon as you could ask a lineman to. I mean, really, really, you're not going to see someone who's going to get to the linebackers faster. Needs to get better going backwards. And now, oh God, he backpedals. Oh God, oh no.
0: <laughs>
1: his pass set uh, just made me upset. This dude is such a phenomenal athlete. Great, great offensive lineman. His coach should not be accepting what is being put on tape. And his coach should be isolating him in practice for 45 minutes during the day of going backwards and working on the pass set. Because this is a guy who can go to the NFL if he had a coach that cared about a pass set. That's a... It was very upsetting to watch. It was very upsetting. I can imagine. I could see his potential. I could see what he has and what he's capable of.
2: No, I agree with that. I 1,000% agree with that. He has rare abilities for a tackle that tall. You don't see guys that big with the ability to move like that. But like you said, the dude backpedals. He backpedals. And that's, you know, maybe he tunes in because we get a lot of players who actually tune in. Just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. We're... Trying to just point out, if you improve this, if you work on your footsteps and your footwork, you could be an NFL caliber lineman. But right now, it's just it's just not there. Um, and maybe that's Joe, You know the thing. What? What do you got?
1: Yeah, the thing is, he knows that. It's just he's not getting. It, it, his coach is not letting it click with him. It's just sometimes. I mean, it, it takes years, or not years, but if you if you get something that clicks in your mind with it. It's a difficult little maneuver, the kick step. It's it's very hard. Kick step, drop step, pass set, whatever. It's difficult, but each offensive lineman can figure it out with the right picturing or the right drill. And in a play, by the playoff game last year, his coach needed to have figured that out to get that clicking for him. Now he still did a good job. He still made the blocks too. That's the great. That's right. the crazy part of it. Right. He still made the blocks.
2: Well, that was he against Holy Cross for that,
1: though, in the off season. That was against you Holy know? Cross.
2: You put him in an NFL know, one-on-one; still, he- he's probably getting zoomed by. Done for.
1: Right. Done for. And that's not his fault. I'm assuming that is not his fault. I don't think he goes out there and is saying, uh, "Yeah, coach taught me all these kickstep stuff, and I actually got really good at it." But I'm going to choose to backpedal. That's. I doubt that's. It's seemingly impossible for me to me that that's the situation and that's the scenario. It needs to click with the player. Right. Or else you're going to waste them, and I'm going to be sitting in my basement upset.
2: Maybe you should call him. Maybe you should reach out to him. See if he can help. Maybe I will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. That's going to be it from us here on the Believe in FCS Football podcast. I am Joe DeLeon. Sean Anderson, follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Sanderson Radio. Also, follow Believe Podcast at Believe, um, at BLEAV Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Head to Believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other shows. Please also hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We have so far have a a lot of good reviews from people, but more would be appreciated if you enjoy listening to the show. Um, That's going to be it from us. As I said, we'll talk to you next week.